Benj, thank you so much for joining us. This is uh, wonderful you. to have you. Uh, Thanks. I have known you now for, I say know you, know you for what, maybe three years? And they were the best three years of your life, Harry, yeah, weren't that's they? Ex- that's exactly <laughs> right. And so um, it's been one of my great privileges uh, just spending a bit of time with you and Kim and getting to know you and to really just drink deep of your Ooh. wisdom. Yeah, I know, yeah. Nice. And uh, this is what this is part of just to try and show the world how uh, great you are, I suppose, <laughs> as well as uh, as well as how great Jesus is through everything that uh, you've been doing. And so we're, we're going to talk about um, just kind of what you're seeing, I suppose, in the digital virtual world and how we can mm. use that to uh, glorify Jesus and just what the spirit is doing through that, I suppose. Um, which will be really good. But I suppose there's going to be a lot of people that don't know the real Benj. So why don't you just kind of give us the real Benj in a nutshell? (laughs) Sure. Here I am, everybody. (laughs) This is the real me. (laughs) Um, So, yes, my name is Benj, Benj Lyon. Um, I live in Market Harbour, which is a small town right in the middle of England, Um just on the border of Leicestershire and Northamptonshire. Um, Live here with my wife, Kim. We've been married for uh, six and a half years, I think, which has flown by. Thank you very much. We're (laughs) we're doing great. Um, And yeah, we're we're, um, helping to lead the church plant in Market Harbour, which has come out of Living Rock. Um, So we've been doing that for the last... Uh, six or seven years I guess which has been really great um what else can I tell you I love coffee I love beer um I love music and obviously I love design and creative things um I love all of that kind of stuff always have always will I imagine um yeah that's that sort of bit 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 about me is that but if if you uh... are you want to ask uh, if you if you're listening and not watching, you you don't see Benja's room where he's kind of exhibiting his kavod, his glory, where he's got his his guitar in the back ah. with a speaker, and he's got his <laughs> his fancy chair in another corner with some nice little prints behind him. So uh, oh. uh, that's good. But tell us how, <laughs> how about how you came to know Jesus, because that's going to be a pretty cool story. Well, yeah, I mean, I, it is a cool story because anybody who comes to know Jesus has a cool story because Jesus is cool. (laughs) Um, But uh, yes, I guess my, well, some people may know my parents. My parents are David and Deborah Lyon. And um, I had the privilege of always growing up in a Christian house. Uh, Parents who were Christians and my grandparents mostly were Christians as well. Um, so I, I feel incredibly blessed and, um, thankful that that's the, the environment that I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, becoming a Christian was, um, never something that I really wondered, should I, or shouldn't I, I always knew that, well, <laughs> I probably thought that's what I was, to be honest, when I was really, really young. Mm. Um, when I was six, uh, my dad, um, I think I probably came home from a a Sunday school having heard about giving your life to Jesus and thought to myself, this, I I should probably do that really. 
Um, so I had a chat with my dad. I remember it, remember it quite clearly. It was our first house and he had um, his own sort of study or office at home, which was tiny. And that was back in the days where to have a computer in the house was like rare. <laughs> like it wasn't a common thing. I, you think now, like everybody's got a laptop, haven't they? Or a smartphone. <laughs> and so this is, this is pre mobile phones really. And so I sat with him in his office and he, he led me to, led me to Christ and helped me pray what I sh- was supposed to pray. Um, <clears throat> and then afterwards he said, oh, you should really tell somebody, you know, which is what we encourage people to do, isn't it? When you give your life to Jesus, you should tell somebody and confess mm-hmm. your faith to them as well. <laughs> so I phoned up my uh, grandparents and I told them that I'd become a Christian and they were very happy. <laughs> And um, that was it, really. I, I was six years old. So, well, you know, um, it, it didn't feel like a big deal. I know it was a big deal, but it didn't feel like a big deal. Um, I, I remember then sort of throughout the rest of my primary school years, being aware of this thing called uh, evangelism and, and reaching out and seeing people seeing other people find Jesus. And I thought I should really do this. And <laughs> there's a, there's a funny story of um, one day I, I was probably about nine years old and um, I plucked up the courage to evangelize at school, but I was too embarrassed to actually talk to anybody in person. So, <laughs> so I, I wrote on pieces of paper, would you like to become a Christian question mark? <laughs> And um, one break time, I snuck into the uh, the little room where we used to have our shoes and our bags and everything. And I put these pieces of paper in everybody's bag. And I, did, I didn't even tell them what to do. I just said, would you like to become a Christian? Question mark. And I just left it in their bag thinking, <laughs> oh, maybe everybody's going to come back and say to me, yes, I want to be a Christian. <laughs> you even know that it Which, was um, from Benj. Yeah. <laughs> nobody did, obviously. <laughs> what were they supposed to do with that? I don't know. But um, yes, anyways, that that's uh, kind of how I came to know Jesus. I, I was baptized at the age of 10, I think, along with some um, some of the kids who were my age and we had, we did it in a swimming pool and had a big pool party afterwards, which was nice. really cool. Nice. Um, baptized by my dad and by Alex Graves, who was my okay. uh, kids work leader. Um, so yeah, that's, that's how I sort of came to know Jesus. I, and I suppose because I grew up in a, a Christian home and Christian family, because that way of living was just so normal. Mm-hmm. I think I probably like a lot of people who had a similar upbringing to myself. I, I never really um, gave much consideration to my faith. I don't think I, I always took it as something that was just, it's just a part of me. Yeah. Um, and I think as a result, particularly when I was sort of my later teens and finishing school and thinking about going to uni, um, the the temptations of the world and wanting to fit in with friends and all of that kind of stuff became um quite difficult to deal with Mm. i think because um for a lot of people they 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 maybe get saved at a later age and they've gone through stuff and they i well they kind of lay that stuff aside but for me i'd never really experienced anything like that and so um when that stuff sort of became 
um, uh, sort of turned up in my life, mm-hmm. I didn't always know how to deal with it. And I, um, I always knew what I was supposed to do, but um, it probably took me quite a while to become properly established, I suppose, in my relationship with Jesus and okay. to really know this is why I'm doing this and not this. Mm. Um, I think I, I found a lot more of that sort of um, really, <laughs> sounds funny, but a personal relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I think I found more of that um, as I was coming out of my teenage years and particularly at uni as well, mm. um, because it was the first time in my life when I had to decide yeah is this what I believe do I want to do this mm-hmm. I had no when I went to uni there was there was nobody checking up on me mm-hmm. um I was away from my parents and I could decide do I want to go to church do I want to pray do I want to read the bible and uh, thankfully I did decide to you know I did want to do those things yeah, but yeah. um yeah that's uh that's that's a brief brief story <laughs> excellent excellent and uh, what about kind of uh baptism in the holy spirit that's normally a cool story as well. When, what's that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I remember that quite well as well. So I guess I was, um, I don't know, maybe 13 or 14 or something like that. And um, was a part of our youth group at the time at church. Mm-hmm. And we had spent a few weeks talking about the Holy Spirit and what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and, and again, um, because I was maybe, uh, I don't know if naive is the right word, but just having grown up in an environment where this kind of stuff was just normal, um, I never really thought much of it. But as we started learning more about it in, in youth, I thought, actually, yeah, I, I would quite like to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, I, I know that something that happens is you speak in tongues. Mm-hmm. And that was about the only thing I really properly understood about it. Right. Um, but I always knew that there must be more to it than just speaking in tongues. There must be a reason that it's mm-hmm. this amazing thing that, that happens. So, um, so one evening at youth, I, uh, went forward with some other people to be prayed for and we had had hands laid on us and, you know, all of the usual stuff yeah, yeah. and nothing really happened. And, um, I went home that night and I sat in my bed and I was a bit disappointed. Mm-hmm. Um, I couldn't quite work out why it hadn't happened for me. And it had happened for some, and, but not for me. And, and I said to, uh, I said to God, I said, I'm not going to sleep until I'm baptized in the Holy spirit until <laughs> I speak in tongues. And that was, that's literally what I said to him. So I'm not going to sleep. So I sat up in my bed and um, I sat there for ages and ages waiting and waiting and then all of a sudden, I just started speaking in tongues wow. <laughs> and was baptized in the Holy Spirit. There was nobody else there. Um, but but yeah, I said to him, like, I, I know that this is a gift for me. I know that I can have this. I know you want me to have it. And I'm not going to sleep until I get it. <laughs> and I sat there and waited until it happened. And, and then it did. So that was it. And I went to bed a very happy man. <laughs> <laughs> I can well imagine. And somebody else that I've spoken to has had a very similar story where they felt a bit underwhelmed in the moment and then um, almost strong-armed, I suppose, got into making it happen. But it's it's amazing how God responds to that hunger, doesn't he? And, and there's a yeah. faith that goes in that. And uh, when you recognize this is what the word of God says, then God comes and meets us in that moment. And yeah. 
uh, and then you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and speaking to yeah. us. Yeah, that's it. I think often, um, you know, when <laughs> typically when you have the, the big sort of altar call and you say, hey, come down and if you want to receive baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're going to lay our hands on you and it's going to happen. And mm. and praise God, often it does. But sometimes in that situation, I think it can it can be very overwhelming. Mm. And the the situation itself, you're just like you're overthinking things you're questioning things you're sometimes it can be really easy to feel like well i need to do some i need to say something because they're expecting it of me and mm-hmm. and you kind of you put it all on yourself to make this thing happen but we don't make it happen it's god who baptizes us in the holy spirit mm-hmm. in that way and and i think sometimes then when you come out of that situation and you t- take yourself away from it I think sometimes then God's like, great, now I can actually do the thing that I need to do because it's, it's not about you anymore. It's all about me. And, um, yeah, every, everybody has a different story, but uh, the cool thing is that we get baptized in the Holy spirit, which is completely essential for your life as a Christian. And I, um, yeah, everybody needs it. Everybody needs it. Yeah. Amen. Well, you've preached us good there, Ben. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) One of the things that you are renowned for um, is uh, your general tech genius, I suppose, <laughs> and how you have um, pioneered many things within your church and also in the collective um, stuff that we do together, like uh, Bible Weeks, um, where you've headed up the, the production team and uh, done a, a lot of work there. Um, if you're watching, that's maybe where you might recognize Ben from fantastic photographer as well took a cracking one of uh, my son um, with some headphones on oh yes <laughs> um, but t- tell us how, how did you um, start kind of getting interested I suppose in uh, yeah. in these tech thi- well I say tech design all that kind of stuff what's the uh, yeah where does it all begin with you <clears throat> yeah well good question um <laughs> Well, I, I I think I'd start by saying I, I would not consider myself to be a tech genius or anything like that. And um, I, I often see so many other people doing amazing, amazing things and feel very inspired all the time. But um, yeah, honestly, I, I think I, I believe that, well, first of all, I believe God has made all of us creative in some way. Um, <clears throat> it, it may be more obvious in some than others, but God in his very nature is a, is a creative God and mm. he's made us in his image. He's made us to be creative. We're creative beings. And so mm. I believe that's, um, that's the case for all of us, but I, I feel like, um, it's it's a particular passion of mine that he's given me. Uh, I I believe that he's made me really interested in design and fonts <laughs> and colors <laughs> and the way things are filmed and architecture and nature and all of these things where you I think you really see the the creativeness of God in them. Mm, I, I just find it. Um, I find it fascinating. I love it. And it makes me want to do something about it. Mm-hmm. 
And I think I've always had that uh, desire from a very early age. Um, <clears throat> I, uh, I wanted to be an architect originally when I was mm-hmm. sort of in my early teens. Um, I was just completely fascinated by buildings. I still am, to be honest. Um, New York is like my favorite place purely because of the buildings. And I love seeing these huge skyscrapers and just thinking how how awesome are these buildings? And some people are like, oh, buildings are boring, but I love, I love buildings. And so for a long time, I wanted to be an architect. And then I discovered that you had to study for like seven years or something to be one so I was like oh maybe not um and then I wanted to be a graphic designer um and then I wanted to be a filmmaker and then I wanted to be a product designer and um I I went through all of these sort of phases as I was growing up or maybe I should be this or this and um when I uh, finished my A-levels Um, I took a gap year and then I applied to uni to do a course in digital media and communication. And I went into that course thinking, I'm going to go into filmmaking. I want to be the next Steven Spielberg or the next um, awesome documentary filmmaker working with Louis Theroux or something like this. And so that's how I went in. And then I came out the other end of the course, actually being really passionate about web design, (laughs) which is a little bit different, but we studied it on the course and, I was good at it. Um, I, I came out like top in my my class for doing that. And I oh, think it's because I was so, um, I wanted things to be like perfect in, in all of the design. That's a good thing and a bad thing, striving for perfection. Well, most of the time it's a bad thing actually, but in terms of like having an eye for detail and um, the way that things look, it meant that I I actually did really well in web design. So I came out of uni um, and got a job with an agency that did um, web design and development. And we did um, apps for people um, and lots of different things like that. We worked with marketing agencies and, um, and all the rest of it. So uh, that was awesome. That was really, really cool and um, really great to be in an environment where um technology particularly you're always involved in like the cutting edge of what things are and how things are progressing and there's people around you who also love technology and um it's it's really it's a really great environment and you're always challenged by things you're always pushing to do the best work that you can do and yeah i had a really great time and um we worked for uh, lots of big companies like um, Claire's accessories and mm-hmm. some big um, uh, law firms and insurance companies, like big, big ones, you know, with, with stacks of money to do things. And um, yeah, it was really cool, really, really cool. But I think it's all of that stuff aside, in the background, I always, um, I saw the cool things that the world was producing. <laughs> films that were like if for the time cutting edge um graphic design and and visual things that always looked so good and then i looked at what the church was doing and it was either not great or non-existent yeah. and i i thought why isn't the church keeping sort of 
um, keeping up to speed or keeping that pace of innovation <clears throat> on the cutting edge themselves. Yeah. Why, why not? Why not? Yeah. And I, I thought about it for, I still think about it now sometimes, but I just thought, well, well maybe there's nobody um, within the church that knows about it. Maybe there's nobody that has that background or, or whatever. Mm. Maybe, maybe the leaders don't see the value in um, the way that a church is um, communicated or comes across to other people. And, and I was like, well, I know that there's the value of what's in the church is not just what you see, but I also know that the Bible says that man looks at the outward appearance of things. Mm. Uh, God looks at the heart, but man looks at the outward appearance. And there's a world full of people that are looking at how things look. Mm. They're looking at the outward appearance. And so it does matter what the outward appearance is. Mm -hmm. um, if you do a good job in making it um, communicate well in making it look good, what people want to see, then that very often can be a way that then what's on the inside can be communicated and can reach people. Yeah. So I, I thought this for years and, and thought, well, if I ever get the opportunity, I would love to, to help at least our church do that. Mm. Um, and yes, five, five, five and a half, six years ago, um, the opportunity came up to, to be employed at Living Rock, which I was like, yes, this is what I've always wanted. Mm -hmm. um, but I think really for me, God um, kind of grew that desire for being more than just Living Rock Church, more than just our local church, but actually a, a desire for all churches to just, just be a bit better at um how we portray the church how we portray the gospel yeah. how jesus is communicated um especially through things that are visual mm. um so yeah that that's a bit of the the journey if you like um and as i said at the beginning i, I don't i don't consider myself to be um an expert but I just love, I love it. I love seeing churches doing stuff that's so cool and yeah. um, innovative and creative. And I love it when I see churches who have totally got a grasp on what good branding is. Not that the church is a business that needs to be branded, but there should be, you know, a consistency of um, the message that they're putting out there about who they are and what they believe and, mm. um, and all of that so yeah that's that's a bit of the journey really yeah it's all part of the the church striving for excellence isn't it yes and um you know it uh, i think you you're really tapping into something where you know we're reaching a world where it's normal for them to see stuff on tv and all that kind of stuff which is you know it's so excellent that we take it for granted don't we and uh when i know in our experience in this uh, lockdown world online virtual stuff where you've had to learn fast or, or not yeah. do anything at all um but uh the the desire is always to produce something that's excellent yeah. and, and and in particular reflects well on jesus it's not about necessarily us looking great although that's an added bonus if we can make that so but um but just that jesus is glorified in all that yeah. we did and uh, absolutely and nothing is exempt from that yeah absolutely nothing so 
That's fantastic. And I have to say, um, Benj, you have been outstanding in equipping people. I know you've always been available for, for me and for others. You've had the, the Create Conference that you've mm. um, had just to help equip churches in, in doing things digital and doing things creative. And uh, yeah, you can really see and feel and receive in your passion to equip churches to, to share the gospel in that way. So thank you for all that well, you do. That's that. no problem. And it's, it's a privilege to be able to do it with other people who I know have the same passion mm. and who they all have strengths in different areas as well. And I think that's the, it's one of the, the beautiful things about the church is that it's not that there's one person that knows it all, but mm. there's there's uh, the whole church. Everybody has something that they need Absolutely. to bring to the church, yeah. and yeah, I love I love seeing that. I love seeing people working together, even from different backgrounds, denominations, or whatever. You know, let, if if we can put aside those differences that we have as Christians, and sort of be be unified in the reason that we're here which is to see people saved and communicate the good news to people um so yeah it's, it's great doing it with those guys and funny you mentioned the lockdown um <clears throat> i think it's been fantastic that the last year has forced churches to embrace um a lot of this stuff that we're talking about a lot of digital things a lot of technology things that have always been there um because the the thing is we let's say in the last year your church or whoever's church has has been like oh, okay we need to actually use facebook to reach people um once the lockdown finishes people are still going to be on facebook yeah once it finishes they're still going to be using social media <clears throat> they're still going to be watching videos mm-hmm. and so i'm glad that it's forced churches to actually start reaching people in that way because they were there before and they're going to be there after mm-hmm. um, so i think the challenge to us is do we carry on do we keep going now that we've seen that it is possible to reach people online are we still going to do it because people still need to be reached online afterwards absolutely <laughs> and i guess um, that the, the challenge as well is and i know we, we've talked about it in the past but it's the um uh Yes, it's great that the the kind of central church is is doing stuff and putting stuff out there online. But how much more effective would it be if you had a an interconnected body of people, a church, um, capital C, going out and doing the same thing and using their their kind of digital platforms, whatever that may be, using their influence in that particular way to share the good news of Jesus. And yeah, I guess yeah. that I guess I suppose that's probably the, the next great hurdle. Mm. I guess I don't know what what, what do you think Benj uh, what what do you see in this kind of era where you know the 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 coronavirus pandemic has really forced the world online in a new and profound mm. way and, and caused us to embrace it and and, and to, to look at it in a totally different way how how do you see uh, how do you see things changing for the world how do you see things changing for the church in in that kind of way yeah uh, good question and a big question. <laughs> yeah. um, I think <laughs> I, I was doing something on um, Zoom with some of my family a couple of weeks ago, my extended family. <clears throat> and 
one of my aunties said to me, oh, you're, um, you're good with technology, aren't you? And, and she said, um, oh, what did she say? She said something like, why do you think it's taken a pandemic to force people to actually start using technology? Mm. <laughs> Which is a really good question because yeah. it has. And as I was thinking about it, I thought, well, people don't like change. In mm. essence, people were were in routine. They were in tradition. They were they were doing things in a certain way because that's how they've always done it, and it's worked to some degree. And so, why change? And I think that's that's a, a question we need to ask ourselves as churches as well, and to consider: Have we done things in a certain way for a certain length of time because? It worked at the beginning and we don't like change. Mm. And when, when we don't change for the better, we run the risk of becoming stagnant and things, maybe the pace of things slow down and we move into this, um, this mode of almost like just floating along, having a nice time um, and nothing really changes. Um, but I think if we can, embrace the good things that this lockdown has done for us then we're going to see even greater things happen that Mm. God is going to do through us um so I think the the big question for all of us it's a question for the church and when I say that I mean as individuals as well as the local church it's absolutely a question for the local church but also for us as individuals is um, what are we going to decide we have to continue with in order mm. to see people saved? That's mm. why we're here. Um, there's some things that we will have been doing over lockdown, which have been hugely beneficial, which we should carry on with. There's some things which um, were perhaps good for a season, mm-hmm. but they need to change now. Um, <clears throat> probably what I would suggest is if we go back completely to the old way that we did things then we're not going to see new results we're just going to see the same stuff that we always saw and i don't know about you or or anybody listening but i don't want to see the same results that we always saw i want to see more people saved i want to see more people reached with the gospel i want to see more people come into all that jesus has for them both in the church and outside of the church Mm. and I, I just don't think that we can see quite what we're so passionate about seeing if we go back to just doing things how we've always done them. I, I think we have to be flexible and let God um, change us a bit, change our minds a bit so that we can use all of these amazing things that we have at our disposal to, to see some of these things happen. Um, so I know, I know for us, um, at Living Rock, we're, we're thinking about what does it mean to be the church in your house and in your specific location? You know, I'm sat in my living, uh, my living room, sat in my office right now at home and I'm surrounded by 10 or 20 houses, all full of people that don't know Jesus. Mm. Um, I need to think, how can I reach those people in person, but how can I also reach them online? Mm. Um, we're part of a Facebook group for our housing estate. So how can I best use that Facebook 
Facebook, Facebook group to let everybody in this estate know that Jesus loves them, that Kim and I are here to pray for them, um, that if they need anything, we can help them with it. Um, and just start thinking a bit more outside of the box and not just thinking, well, I can always invite them to a church meeting happening on a Sunday morning for an hour and a half. <laughs> and then, you know, that hour and a half is gone and you're left with another 166, 167 hours in the week. Yeah. And am I, do I need to wait 166 hours until I can next get in touch with them? Or can I actually do something this week to reach them? Um, we're thinking about when, when you think about the church growing um, as disciples of Jesus, we're thinking again about how do we, um, how do we make that happen? How can we best use digital tools, video mm. training, all that kind of stuff? How can we use that to help people grow in their discipleship of Jesus? Um, and then uh, I suppose as a, as a church, as a local church, recognizing that um uh the the people that we're reaching is no longer just physical bodies on a sunday morning in a room it's way more than that we're, we're reaching way more people online than we are in person so we need to be thinking about how do we pastor these people how mm -hmm. do we um meet their needs how do we get to know them uh, that that's a good question how do you get to know somebody that you've never met in person um we don't have all the answers yet but these are some of the things that we're thinking about because yeah absolutely um as i said earlier we may well go back to meeting in person for some things but there's still going to be people where our only interaction with them is online mm. so we mustn't neglect them they mm. they still need jesus as much as somebody who walks through the doors to our church building um so yeah i think <clears throat> I think that the church is in a very important and a very unique position now um, to make some good decisions about what the next season looks like. Um, it's a little bit scary yeah. <laughs> because the, there's a lot of possibilities. There's a lot of potential. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I, I, I would just encourage people to dream dream about what the next season could look like mm, have good. a think about um <clears throat> what what does evangelism look like online um it, what does being the church in your on your street what does that look like now um that, uh, so what what i am seeing what i am sensing is that there's a lot of people who are going to come out of lockdown with some very serious needs with things like mental health yeah things like finances mm -hmm. um there's uh, somebody who lives near me who lost his job well he didn't lose his job he was furloughed from his job um but his job is like 80 percent commission based oh, and wow. so 80 percent of his income has just gone wow and um he's tried to find another job during lockdown he found one and then his car broke down so he can't get there and that's a very, very real example of somebody who lives on my road, who's got some serious needs in his life. Um, and so I think we need to be ready to, um, if you like, hold some people, uh, if, if I could put it that way, mm. there's people who have really 
real, real needs. Mm. There's going to be a lot of people who um, have become way more anxious in lockdown. Yeah. A lot of people who have struggled with depression. A lot of people who are going to struggle to just um, flip the switch and be integrated with the society again. Yeah. And it can sound weird because you may not feel like that. I, I don't really feel like that. I'm, I'm very ready. I'm very happy to be with hundreds of people again, but I can't just assume that everybody's like me. Absolutely. Yeah. So we need to be ready. Um, and I think the, the beautiful thing is when you can recognize the need and then think, how do we meet this need physically and digitally? And if we can do those two things, then um, I think there'll be a lot of people that can hear about jesus and, and what he can do for them amen amen I, th- I guess i think one of the um one of the big stumbling blocks for people uh when it comes to doing the thing online and you've tackled quite a thing quite a bit of it is uh you know there's this knowledge gap how on earth do i start doing that but i think as well there's um uh, a fear almost because of the the very real negative side of the things online you know we talk about um this is the, the time of cancel culture and the the age of distraction and internet addiction and we we recognize uh, you know I, I was talking to uh, a friend of mine um last week and uh been a while since we caught up and they were saying just how um, how much happier they were feeling uh, lately and uh after a bit of probing found out that the reason she was feeling happier was because um they had deleted uh, facebook and instagram yeah. off their phone and they they hadn't felt this assault on their identity where you know um people were living their perfect lives with the perfect looks and all that kind of stuff and there wasn't that shame and guilt um that flowed from that so in a, in a in an age where you've got both where it's so easy to communicate with people, but then it's so easy as well to fall into these negative things. How, how, how do you speak to that? How do you speak restoration into those things? And how do you make sure that um, the church doesn't become complicit in those things as well? Yeah. Yeah. Another very good question. It is very real. That's, mm. that's hugely real. I saw some stats uh, recently. <clears throat> saying that um it was something like um 85% of teenagers um use no what was it, it no it was more than that it was something like 100% of teenagers use social media every day um i was looking into youtube specifically 85% of them are watching youtube every single day Mm. Um, and the, the stats drilled into like what kinds of things they were watching and also asked them how they feel using social media, mm-hmm. um, whether they feel social media is a good influence on them or not. Um, and I can't remember the exact stats, but, um, essentially what, what the survey sort of concluded was that um this is just teenagers Mm -hmm. but but i would probably suggest that this could apply to most people now yeah they um consume too much social media that it's not good for them 
right. and they're not aware that they're addicted to it. So wow. the, the stats essentially were saying that they clearly are addicted, but they don't know they're addicted. In fact, one of the questions was, do you believe you are addicted to social media? And most of them said no. But the stats are very clearly suggesting that you are because they're spending hours and hours every single day on social media. Um, If you take Instagram as an example, um, I, I believe there's a lot of anxiety and depression that's caused through Instagram because people are, people are following influences who portray this perfect life, um, which if I don't um, achieve your life, I'm a failure. Mm. And so you've got all these people, they feel like failures and they're striving to achieve something that's fake anyway, Mm. or perhaps not fake, but it's filtered. Mm. You only see the good things of somebody's life. Um, I decide what you see about my life. Mm-hmm. That's what social media is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, you're very welcome to look at my Instagram, but I've decided what goes on there. Yeah. And I'm going to choose to not post this picture and I will post this picture. Um, <clears throat> or let, let's say um, just by chance, I've got a friend who has a helicopter and he takes me for a ride. Oh, look, here I am in a helicopter. And now everybody's like, oh, well, if he's now in a helicopter, then that should be something that I should expect to achieve in my life. And it just causes this um, very, very fake, very sad um, expectations on people that they have to, they have to be achieving this thing that's not even, it's not even really real. Mm. Um, And it's really sad. It's really sad. And Unfortunately, there's a lot of people who are just consuming this kind of thing all the time and are addicted without realizing. Um, So the challenge, it's a challenge, but the challenge for us as the church is to think, how do we, how do we bring the truth into this situation Mm -hmm. without adding to the noise that's out there? Mm, Very good. Um, And that's a big that's a big thing because a lot of social media, a lot of what you consume online is very, very noisy. Um, people on average receive something like 120 notifications to their phone every single day. Um, you're being bombarded all the time with texts and emails and news alerts and social media alerts and, um, pop-up notifications all the time. It's just, it's happening constantly. And very quickly, you become desensitized to everything. And um, it's hard to know what's true and what's not true. Yeah. And I think if we can bring the truth to people, and if we can do it in a way that gets their attention, um, that cuts through all of that noise, Mm -hmm. then we have a real chance of um, people actually finding what they need to find, which is the answer to all their problems. Um, and that's the, that's the reality is, is a lot of people in this world are looking for answers. They're looking in all the wrong places. They're looking at things which are totally shakable and we're seeing things being shaken all the time. Yeah. They're looking to 
celebrities they're looking to um political leaders which we all know you know it, it's changing all the time people mm -hmm. are constantly being exposed for doing this thing and this thing even sometimes in church world <laughs> you know you, sometimes you you see these stories of um, big church leaders who um unfortunately do things which they shouldn't do yeah. <clears throat> and if we're not careful about what we're putting our trust in um we ourselves could be shaken Absolutely. you know if if i if i look to so and so who leads this church and i get all of my um i learn everything from him i watch him all the time or her it doesn't have to be a him um if all of my revelation comes from this one person and then that person does something bad then all of a sudden all of my foundations in my life are crumbled yeah. and i'm a mess um so we we need to be standing strong on the things which don't shake which is the word of god Absolutely, which yeah. is god himself which is the holy spirit we need to stand strong on those things and other people also need to um so yeah we we have the challenge we have the opportunity to bring the truth um to people online the things that they need to hear mm. um one of the ways that we can uh, do that which i've i've shared before and one of my favorite church communication guys brady shearer has shared about as well is through storytelling um mm -hmm. i won't go into too much detail but um storytelling is one of the um one of the only ways that you can communicate a message that forces somebody to give you attention um something that happens in your brains when you when you're being told a story you're fixed on that story you want to know what happens next yeah um i love graham norton the graham norton show most of the graham norton show is all based around stories it's all he just asks people to tell stories about this thing and this thing yeah. and it's like one of the most successful chat shows because everybody loves stories yeah um jesus uses stories all the time uh throughout the gospels he's when he's trying to communicate something that could be difficult to understand he chooses to use a story yeah. because everybody can relate to what he's saying yeah. so um we can use stories a lot um everybody has a story to tell everybody has a testimony mm -hmm. if jesus has saved you you've got a testimony yeah. if he's done something in your life you've got a testimony and um very often other people well <laughs> yeah very often always other people need to hear our testimonies because if god does for you something good he can do for somebody else something good mm -hmm. um and so that's a super easy way that we can tell something that's true tell a tell a message of good news and people will listen because people like stories so you, you said earlier how do we get started where where do you start in all of this it, it can feel very overwhelming yeah. and yeah it can be overwhelming um but i would say if you want to start anywhere tell your testimony um you can write it down you can film yourself you could tell somebody in person you could paint a picture that somehow tells a story um there's all sorts of ways you could do it but tell a story tell something good that god has done for you um and i'd like to say what's the worst that could happen <laughs> you know if if i film myself later on today um saying hey i want to tell you about that time that uh god healed my younger brother of being deaf my bro younger brother was born deaf god healed him 
Um, if I tell that story, what's the worst that's going to happen? S- somebody might say, oh, I don't believe you. So what? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it doesn't mean it's not true. Yeah, um, the best that could happen is somebody who's deaf. Hear, hears that story. <laughs> say, hears that story. <laughs> <laughs> finds or, out about the story. Or yeah. finds out about the story and believes that God could heal them. And then they get healed. Yeah. because there's faith there and god meets faith and Absolutely. you know like imagine if that happened could you imagine if you put your story out there and somebody said i need the same thing what can i do and mm-hmm. then god heals them or god mm-hmm. provides for them or he totally restores a situation just imagine what would happen yeah and that's what we're talking about um we have access to so many people online that we can tell stories to. Um, Most of the time we don't, most of the time we just consume content. Um, I think that's another challenge of the age that we're living in is we're in a very consumeristic age and particularly in church as well. Um, A lot of church life for a lot of people is um, I'm going to turn up. I'm going to listen to a message. Somebody's going to look after my kids for me. Maybe. Um, and then I'm going to go home. I'm maybe going to listen to a podcast. I'm going to watch a preach online. I'm going to consume a lot of stuff, but we forget that we're here to give to the church. We're here to participate in what God is doing. Yeah. Um, and that's very much the case online as well. Most people just consume content. Um, but if we can, if we can produce something that carries life, that carries good news, I really believe that God will, We'll take what we've done. We do our part and we just give yes. it over to him and say, Lord, you do the rest. Yeah. Um, you do the things that only you can do. I, I don't know how to get this out there necessarily, but I trust that you're going to use what I do. Yeah, absolutely. I think as well, um, you know, when when God goes and commissions Adam and Eve to, to rule, rule the world, it's uh, kind of behind the scenes in all of that is to, to unpack the potential that the world has to give because mm. creation was perfect in the sense that it was good but it wasn't perfect in the sense that it was complete right. and we, we were tasked weren't we with that responsibility to see that take place and to see it together with God uh, kind of come to its fullness I suppose mm. and uh, you know the the whole realm of the internet and the age of the internet is part of part of that potential that we have unpacked isn't it yeah and and though it's been corrupted by the world, it's still in need of renewal and restoration. Mm. And, uh, and and that's the work of Jesus, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, if it's the work of Jesus, that means that it's it's our work as well, yeah. where we yeah. can come and we can bring that re- renewal and restoration to to something that has been corrupted and, and is damaging. Um, and uh, yeah, we we've got to we've got to take our part and take a stand in the midst of that as well yeah. to see it fully absolutely fully restored so uh, and i just think what a great thought though if you just if you just imagine what a world what the world would look like when everything is restored but imagine Mm. like technology and what what would that look like you know that this this thing is used for the Mm. goodness of god all the time Yeah. yeah and Ah, it's just fantastic. There's a a small example. It's not, um, well, yeah, it is related. Um, I have a friend in Canada, 
uh, or Caleb, you, you all know mm. Caleb, but <clears throat> Caleb works for a company called Nextdoor Photos. Mm-hmm. And they provide photography for real estate. And their big selling point is that we'll come and take your photos and you'll get them within 24 hours, fully edited and ready to go. And the reason they were able to uh, do that is because they set up a company in the Philippines, which is like, I don't know, 12 hours ahead in time or something. And this company in the Philippines employs women to get them out of um, sex trafficking and all of that sort of industry. So it takes them out of uh, slavery, if you like, takes them out of um, a situation which they can't, they should not be in. And it employs them to do work um, from a business that is full of Christians. It's a, like a, it's a kingdom business mm-hmm. and it's bringing that sort of restoration in a very real way to these women. And it's all made possible through technology. Um, all of the stuff that they use to get photos backwards and forwards across the world and all of their communication and the systems that they set up, it's all done because of technology. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not, it's not, technology is not a bad thing. The yeah. way that it's used can be good or bad. Yeah. And I just think I, I take that as an example. And I just think, man, imagine all of the ways that we could use this to yeah. bring restoration in so many situations. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah. oh, love it. <laughs> it's, it's like, um, I, I suppose a, a useful analogy would be, it's like asking for fire that doesn't burn or, or gravity that doesn't bring you down to the ground from however high you fall or, <laughs> you know, a, a virus where 99% of viruses are so important for us to live. And then you have a 1% that corrupted that um can cause damage and devastation yeah and uh you you have a similar kind of thing with technology it's life-giving but it can be used in a in a dangerous way and we yeah. and, and there's an incumbency upon us as the church as well as to, to teach those things and to, mm-hmm. to help people through those things yeah so, uh, yeah yeah benj my goodness what a wealth of knowledge <laughs> what a wealth <laughs> Wow. What a world. Um, if the, you know, you mentioned um, Brady Shearer before, he does a lot of great mm. stuff. That's through, is it pro, pro church tools? Pro church tools, yeah. 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 He, um, he, his content really is for, um, for those who have some kind of an influence within a church to <laughs> yeah. produce stuff, to communicate stuff. But um, yeah, he, a, a lot of his stuff's just really interesting anyway for anybody yeah. who, wants to find out more about how they can use digital tools, technology, communicate things online. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah. Is, is there, are there any other kind of resources for people that are, that are interested? Maybe they um, recognize they've got a problem with social media or they're interested in starting um, or getting into the graphic design stuff. Are there any kind of quick resource, well, not quick resources, but any good resources that you'd recommend to people? that are listening or watching? Um, yeah, I mean, well, I could have a list as long as my arm. <laughs> um, generally speaking, I think here's what I would recommend. Mm-hmm. I said earlier about how 
it feels like the church is always playing catch up with the world in terms of what we're producing. Mm-hmm. Um, what that means is we can take inspiration from the world. Mm-hmm. And I would encourage people um, to look for inspiration in all sorts of different places. Um, absolutely look for inspiration within the church. There's a lot of churches who are doing some really cool stuff mm-hmm. um, digitally. They're, they're um, fantastic creative websites. The way they use social media is amazing. Um, the graphics that they put together are awesome. Like there's definitely lots of core churches that you could look to, that you could take inspiration from. There's lots of individuals that you could do that from as well. But I would also always be aware of what's going on in the world. Um, <laughs> at the moment, the what's going on in the world kind of sets the pace for where the church then goes as well, because the church is following um it should be the other way around but at the moment it's not um so i would look at i would look at films coming out what are the films coming out in the next year um what are they about what are the techniques that they're using to film them what's the style of them um there's a for anybody who's particularly interested in websites and web design there's a great tool called um it's called awards but it's a www ards and it's a it's a website that gives um sort of mini awards to other websites that are particularly creative okay and so i always go there just to see what's happening what are what are people creating with their websites um what are some of the trends that seem to be coming up that we can then follow um there's great design resources like um dribble i don't know if you've heard of dribble (laughs) which is d-r-i-b-b-b-l-e like there's an extra b okay um dribble is a place where designers post their work to get feedback from the designers but um there's a very good chance that the stuff that's being posted will be the next sort of trends in design. Um, I I would watch YouTube videos. YouTube is like one of the most popular ways of watching videos, mm-hmm. if not the most popular way. Um, more YouTube content is watched every single day than Netflix or Amazon Prime or anything like that. So um, have a look at what's trending on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, go to your social media channels, see what's trending. What are people talking about? Um, for for people on Facebook, um, Facebook groups are massive at the moment. Facebook's doing a big push for Facebook groups because they recognize that people using Facebook can be very isolated. So they want to encourage community, which is awesome because um, God created us to be in community. We massively believe that we should be in a community. Um, So um, yeah, get involved in Facebook groups and, um, very often you have people asking for recommendations for this or that, or asking if people know the answer to this question. Um, yeah, I would, I I would just have your eyes open to what's going on. I think it'd be really easy to just go through life and it's like, Oh, TikTok's a thing now. Great. But but actually look at it and have a look at what's going on. What are the videos that people are putting on TikTok? 
why is it such a big deal you know it's exploded in the last couple of years or why um it's all about humor a lot of tiktok is so i'll be like right how who's funny that i know how can they do something on tiktok Mm -hmm. um so yeah i think yeah specific resources yeah you've got the the uh, awards you've got dribble <laughs> you've got guys like brady shearer um there's a, a great book have i got it on my, i have got it on my bookshelf one second <laughs> well not a uh... not a bookshelf it's more my desk but there's this <laughs> this book here called so everyone can hear it's by a guy called mark crosby and mark crosby is a guy from uh, vineyard churches He's head of communications for Vineyard, a fantastic guy. And he wrote a book all about how we can communicate things as churches. Super helpful. Um, There's another book, which I have over there called, um, I'll just show you this one, Ted Talks, the official guide to, what is it? Public speaking by Ted Talks. And we, we talked about storytelling earlier a lot of what's in that book uh, talks about how to tell good stories, how to deliver a, a message in like 10 minutes or less and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know if that's helpful at all, just yeah. general resources, but I, my main sort of tip would be, yeah, just to, to have your eyes open about what is current, what's going on in the world. What, are, what kinds of things are people posting about? you see design trends all the time. Um, The next iPhone that comes out, what does it look like? Apple's always leading the way when it comes to design for products and stuff. Um, We had a design trend in in web design where all of a sudden buttons went from being like 3D to being flat in design. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden flat design was this thing. Um, So yeah, yeah, I, I don't know if that's, is that helpful? Yeah, yeah, that's um, brilliant. That's brilliant. Just, a, it's a good uh, toe for people to start, uh, to start walking in, I suppose. A good hook. Yeah. So if I, you're I, I, didn't, I just didn't encourage like anybody, don't be scared of this stuff. Mm-hmm. It, it can be overwhelming. Um, if you would class yourself as the older generation, you might particularly feel like this is difficult that you might think how can i how can i do this when this kind of um this kind of world is so much younger maybe you you might feel really out of touch with things i don't know but um yeah just want to encourage you like don't don't be scared but see it as an opportunity if you're passionate about reaching people for jesus then what we're talking about is the most amazing opportunity. And um, even if you just do something small, it's much better than not doing anything and ignoring it. Um, And I would like to suggest that we'll all be pleasantly surprised um, the more we do stuff, that the more more we see people wanting to find out more about Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, Benj, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for your knowledge and your wisdom and just for sharing your your insights into a world that so many of us um, don't see in that in that way. So our prayer is just that uh, 
that people will start to recognize that the, the Holy Spirit can come in and hijack these pathways in a in a unique and profound way in this in this new season that the world is is entering into. So mm. thank you so much. We no love problem. you so much. Oh, and uh, thanks. we're praying for you guys. All right. Thank you. <laughs>